Hello, I'm Ken Seong, Technical Director with the International Ethics Standards Board for Accountants. And I'm here with Stavros Stomadakis, Chair of the Board. We're joined here by several board members serving as SAS host chairs. Uh, Sylvie Soulier, Don Thompson, Helena Gilly, Brian Caswell. We're here to discuss some of the highlights of the Ethics Board's meeting held in New York, New York, September 26th through 30th, 2016. Stavros, this was the third full meeting of the board in 2016. What were some of your main takeaways from the meeting? Thank you, Ken. This was indeed the third meeting, and I believe a very productive one. We had a very heavy agenda because practically every one of our projects uh, on our work plan was on this agenda. We made solid progress in the major progress we're still pursuing with the goal of putting together uh, final exposure drafts in December. And these are, of course, our project on structure, project on safeguards, our project on uh, part C of the code, and our project on long association. I have my four colleagues who represent the task forces here, and they'll be speaking uh, a little bit more on those, so I will not say much more, except that I'm very pleased that the amount of coordination that is required among these projects so that they all come out in the end in a restructured format is quite significant. I would say it's awesome sometimes, and I'm quite pleased that this coordination appears to be going very well, and it will continue, of course, until December. Let me briefly say that other highlights of our meeting that should be noted is that the NOCLA project, which has been, of course, uh, closed off and approved, is uh, proceeding very well for restructuring uh, only, and it will, its restructured form will be part of the uh, structure uh, exposure draft uh, that hopefully we'll put out in December. And let me also say that we had initial discussions and very fruitful exchanges of ideas and thoughts on other issues that are very current and important with the board. One is professional skepticism, which of course is subject to a joint working group that has been formed by all standard setting, all three standard setting boards, IAASB and education. We had a very interesting presentation on our fact-finding uh, mission on fees, which presentation was made by a very distinguished academic who has a lot of uh, research experience in this area. And we had a first, a preliminary report. A final report is coming in December, but we had the opportunity to exchange views between board members and our academic consultant on this point, so this was a definite step forward. We also had a report by our Emerging Issues Committee, which uh, has been targeting uh, the ESBA code vis-a-vis -vis, uh, developments in the G20 jurisdictions. And finally, we had a very good discussion on the PIOB consultation paper, which uh, as our stakeholders probably know, has been out and they're asking for comments on this on their own. 
the PIOB, of course, is our oversight body, and they're asking for views on their own strategic uh, vision, uh, and uh, we have exchanged views on that. So I would say that on the whole, this was a very rich meeting, very busy meeting, five-day meeting, uh, and we made solid steps forwards on all these fronts. Thank you, Stavros, for sharing your observations of the meeting. Let me now turn to Sylvie Soulier, who is standing in uh, for Gary Hanefer, chair of the Safeguards Task Force. Uh, Sylvie, this was an important meaning, meeting in many ways for the Safeguards project, and the task force had brought forward uh, proposals on both phases of the project uh, to this meeting. What were your main uh, takeaways from the meeting? Safeguard was addressed through three very rich uh, and constructive sessions uh, this week and uh, ending with an in-principle agreement of phase one and very clear direction for phase two uh, for the Safeguard Task Force. If I may develop each one, phase one includes revision to the December 2015 exposure draft dealing with revision to the conceptual framework provisions. This is what we call restructure section 120 and uh, how professional accountants in public practice apply the revised conceptual framework, and this is what we call Section 300. In relation to Section 120, one of the most significant topics discussed during the meeting was about reasonable and informed third party. The reasonable and informed third party test is a consideration by the professional accountant about whether the same conclusions would likely be reached by another party, the near final provision describes this test and further clarify what is meant by reasonable and informed third party. Other key topics included a clearer description of what safeguards means, including clarification that safeguards may not always be available to address threats. Therefore, there will be some situation where only the only conclusion will be to decline or end a, a professional activity. The board also clarified that certain conditions, policies, and procedures established by the profession, legislation, regulation, or firm would support both the identification and evaluation of threats under the conceptual framework. In relation to Section 300, the revised draft now presents a much more balanced and comprehensive list of examples of threats by category of threats that relate to all fundamental principles and to all types of services provided by professional accountants in public practice. On phase one, the board agreed in principle on, on a near final draft of section 120, subject to final adjustment. And the board plans to approve a close of document of section 120 and 300 at the next meeting in December 2016. In relation to phase two of the safeguard project, the task force provided a second read of revision to section 600, provisions of non-assurance services to an audit client in the independent standard. The board provided a lot of helpful input and agreed a number of key points as well, including the layout of section 600, including how to position prohibitions, requirements, and application material. The fact that firms and network firms shall comply with the fundamental principles as well as independence when providing non-assurance services. And a clearer statement that safeguards are not always available to address threats to independence, which leads to prohibitions of certain non-audit services. 
and to the addition of new application material to further clarify how the concept of materiality applies to the independent standard and consideration of the combined effect of threats for multiple non-audit services. The board also consider conforming amendments relating to the application of the conceptual framework to other sections of the code, such as long association or part C. A revised draft of section 600 and the conforming amendments to other sections will be presented to the board for approval at the December 2016 meeting. Thank you very much, Sylvie, for sharing uh, your uh, takeaways um, uh, from the discussion of safeguards at the board meeting this week. Let me now turn to Don Thompson. Don, you chair this structure uh, task force, and uh, there was a lot of material that the task force brought to this meeting uh, for the board's consideration. What were the main highlights of the board uh, discussion? Well, you're certainly right, Ken. There, there is a lot of material coming together as we finalize the restructuring of the remainder of the code. The project is proceeding on schedule. We discussed at the June meeting further structural enhancements arising from the input received in the December 2015 exposure draft. And at this September meeting, we considered more specific drafting changes to the text. These changes responded to input on possible changes in meaning and also responded to other more general drafting suggestions. Stakeholders continue to express their widespread support for the project, which is in, focused on enhancing the understandability and improving the usability of the code. At this meeting, in addition to uh, discussing the phase one material, we also discussed the phase two material, which picks up the sections not exposed previously, and that is uh, nearing completion. We are working towards a December agreement in principle on the restructured phase one and approval of an exposure draft on the phase two material. Thank you very much, Don. Uh, let me now turn to Helen Aguilli, um, who is chairing our party uh, uh, task force and uh, leading a very important project uh, for our board uh, addressing uh, the uh, particular ethical issues um, with respect to professional accountants in business. So Helen, let me invite you perhaps to share a bit of an update of the board discussion with our listeners. Thank you, Ken. So uh, the agenda for the Part C session actually included three different topics. The applicability of Part C to professional accountants in public practice, the restructuring of Part C into the new structure format, and also enhancing the guidance in excellent section 350 about inducements. About the applicability of Part C to professional accountants in public practice, the board had earlier agreed with the task force's conclusion that it is possible also for professional accountants in public practice to find themselves in ethically problematic situations such as intra-firm conflicts or situations involving external parties that are not clients. Or with other words, they might be facing the same issues and ethical dilemmas as PAIBs. At our June board meeting, the board considered and generally agreed to the task force's proposal to include a paragraph in the code to explain that when professional accountants in public practice are facing such ethical dilemmas, there might be guidance also in Part C that they would be required to comply with. So for this meeting, in order to clarify the meaning of this explanatory paragraph, the task force had suggested to add an example to the paragraph of a situation 
when a professional accountant in public practice might be facing pressure from within the firm and therefore find the guidance in Section 370 relevant. And the board seemed to agree to this addition and we had some good discussions about what example of a pressure situation to use. The board also agreed that this paragraph would need to be exposed and preferably within the restructuring ED2 as long as it, it would be highlighted thus, that this change goes beyond restructuring. Regarding the restructuring of Part C, this was the first meeting where we discussed the threat and safeguard paragraphs in Part C. And I think we got some good feedback from the board on the examples in Section uh, 300 that we will take another look upon and present to the board in December. To this meeting, the task force also presented a revised strawman to Section 350. And this was made in response to the comments we received at the June meeting, especially the ones that said that we would have to broaden the scope in order for it to be clear that the guidance would include both illegal acts such as bribery and corruption, but maybe especially situations that could be described as bribery, but still would not be illegal. At the June board meeting, some board members also suggested that we use a motivation test as a starting point for the professional accountant's assessment, and that we'd work further on how this section would deal with cultural differences. To summarize it, I think that the presented revised strawman overall seemed to meet the expectations of the board. It seems like we are on the right track. Finally, I'd just like to add that I think we had some very good discussions and constructive feedback from the board that will help the task force in preparing the papers from, for the December meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Helene. Um, let me now turn to uh, Brian Caswell. He's a member of the Long Association Task Force. Brian, uh, the uh, task force had brought forward uh, some final proposals for the board's consideration at this meeting. Where did we end up on the board discussions? Th thank you, Ken. At this meeting, we had three presentations, the first being the changes that you just spoke about, uh, which were from the uh, February 2016 limited re-exposure. And the first change was to emphasize the word cumulative over consecutive regarding the time on period. The second was to remove the reference to the ISQC1 on the EQCRs so the cooling off period for the EQCRs would be on all pies without regard to whether or not it was through an ISQC1 appointment. And the third was some clarifications to the jurisdictional provision. Uh, one was not limiting joint audit condition to a predefined period and the other was to emphasize that the body responsible for independent regulatory inspection regime need not be the same legislator or regulator that establishes the uh, mandatory firm rotation, the mandatory retendering, or joint audits. The second issue that we brought before the board was to work on the draft restructuring that we present will be presented to the December meeting, working through the both the safeguards task force and the structure task force. And the third was to have a discussion on the implementation of our uh, changes through the cooling off period. We had quite a uh, lengthy discussion on that. We will probably approve it on a teleconference and have it ready for the December meeting. Our goal is to have uh, the board approve the restructured text for exposure at our December meeting. We also informed the board that we received the IOSCO comment letter and there were no issues being raised that had not been previously considered and we got the CAG feedback 
in September and there was strong support for the tentative board decisions. Just to be clear for our listeners, Brian, with respect to the final uh, revised provisions on an association, the board was asked to approve the document for close-off under the extent drafting conventions. Uh, did the task force achieve that board approval on the document? Yes, we did. It is closed off. Thank you, Brian. And uh, as you have indicated, the uh, board will consider uh, some uh, final proposal with respect to transitional provisions on a board teleconference to be scheduled sometime in October. So let me thank uh, Stavros, uh, Sylvie, Don, Helene, and uh, Brian for being here with us to share some of the uh, observations and highlights from the board meeting this week. The next meeting of the IESBA will be held December 12th through 15th, uh, 2016 in New York. Uh, ethics board meetings are open to the public and we encourage those interested to observe our meetings. To register as an observer, go to the meetings page of the Ethics Board's website at www.ethicsboard.org. There you can also find more information about the board and its projects. And finally, the Ethics Board records a podcast summary following each meeting. You can subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes by searching IFAC accountancy podcast in the Apple iTunes store. You can also follow us on Twitter at ethics underscore board. Thank you for listening.